I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Happy holidays and welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zach Rancourt, and joining me as always is Amanda Jane Stern. Every week we analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we explore the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. Amanda, how's it going? It's going, it's going, it's, you know, it's the holiday season. We just said the year is almost over and it's so weird. It's crazy. It just, time is so interesting because I remember as a child, you would be waiting all year for Christmas and now it feels like we blink and Christmas is here and gone and it's mm-hmm. just crazy stuff. So at the time of this posting this podcast, it should be around Christmas time. Yeah. I don't know because we are recording it before, but yeah, then it's New Year's and then it's 2024. Like what, what, what the hell is going it, on? It used to feel like such a full season. Mm-hmm. And I guess now that we're adults and we're working, it's just like, well, it's a I don't know. I'm I'm working today. It's another, and I don't know about your industry, but I I do get to take time off at the end of the year because the film industry completely shuts down, and so that's that's great. And then sometimes that happens, and I just sit home and I think, I don't know what to do with myself right now. Yeah, I, I get I get some time off, but it's I mean just the standard recognized holidays, and then it's just mm-hmm. back to business as usual. There is a lull in the holidays at times. Sometimes. People are crazy. They don't listen to our advice and they they get a little crazy. But uh, yeah, you just take it in strides. And I mean, I'm excited for the season to be over traveling down to Mississippi for the holidays. Uh, it should be a romp. I'll just put it that way. But I am excited to be around new people mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just kind of experience their stuff. I haven't really watched that many Christmas movies, actually, this holiday season, which is no, kind of crazy I haven't for either. me. I've what have I I I did what we have done so far for the podcast. Yeah. And Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched Spaceballs yet this year. I'm trying to think of if I've watched anything else that even had Christmas. You know what? I I I guess it technically goes through Christmas, but they don't really even acknowledge it, so it doesn't New Year's is a bigger plot point, mm-hmm. but I watched the other day on on Amazon Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I don't think is amazing. I think it's got a lot of pacing issues, but it's kind of corny and schmaltzy and cheesy, and the leads have chemistry, and it's not one of those rom-coms where they only kiss once, but like they go at it, and I, <laughs> I appreciate that because I'm not a big fan of the, it's the one kiss. I'm like, mm, nope, no thank you. <laughs> They should make a rom-com where they do wait for that one kiss and then it's like, oh, uh, look at the time. I got to go. That was <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was expecting. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they make a joke about that in The Sweetest Thing, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie. I know who is it. It's Don't. Tony Collette, right? No, and no, Cameron no, no. Diaz. No, that is In Her Shoes, which is oh. a bait and switch of a movie. They promoted oh. that as a rom-com. Lauren and I talk about this all the time. They promoted that as a rom-com and it is like a tear your heart out emotional family drama. So like Bridge to Terabithia where I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun family film. And then, oh, my God, I'm crying like crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but no, the sweetest thing is Cameron Diaz. It's her and Christina Applegate and oh, Selma that's Blair. Right. That's and right. There we go. Thomas Jane, I think. Mm-hmm. Or is it? It's Thomas Jane. It's not Thomas Jane. It's Thomas Jane. Um, it's. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I recall it being something that even for the time was like, oh, okay, they're they're doing this in this movie. Ah. And I've heard people talk about it since. So I think my recollection is is pretty accurate. It might be one of those things that really did not age too well. <laughs> well, that is no bueno. 
Um, because I'm hoping this movie ages really well. Uh, it's yeah, this been, aged fine. Yeah, it's been almost ten years. Been eight years for this this bad boy. Oh my god! Um, I thought yeah. of it. I was like, this was five years ago. It's crazy. It, se- <laughs> it seems know. like that, right? So yeah. yeah. So we are going to be doing Krampus from 2015, or if you're Austrian, Krampus. Uh, but yeah, Krampus came out in 2015. It was directed by Michael Doherty, who most noto- notably did Trick or Treat, that movie from back in like 2007 or 2008. And I really enjoyed that one a lot. Um, and then he also did Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the sequel I've to Godzilla. I've not seen that. I really enjoyed it because did I you? liked, yeah, I liked the first Godzilla um, and then by Garrett Evans, I think, mm-hmm. Gareth Evans. And then I really liked the second one. And then, I mean, they aren't great movies, but right. that's the point. It's the two kaiju fighting. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's Yeah, awesome. that's a franchise I just, I didn't, and maybe one day, but I just, I never got into somehow. Yeah, I'm a sucker. Uh, the movie was written by Todd Casey and Michael Doherty and and Zach Shields. Um, it stars Adam Scott, Tony Collette, David Koechner, Allison Tolman, who I am watching Fargo now, and she is in it, and she is mm-hmm. fan freaking tastic yeah, in Fargo. She's, she's great. In it. It's a the cast is. I'm only three episodes in, but I am very happy with her performance so far. Okay, so you're only you're doing season one now. Oh yeah, I just okay. I, I was I was late to the boat. Fargo is one of my favorite movies ever, and I've just been it's I saw a, a, a preview for season five, and I'm like, oh, I probably should start season one. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, MJ Anthony, Stefania Levy, Owen, and Kristen Stadler, and Conchata Farrell, who she's been in a lot of other movies, mm-hmm, but she mm-hmm. is funny too. She's she's a stalwart of the industry. She's one of those. You know that lady. Yeah, she's one of those. I mean, there's a podcast I listen to and they call them that guys. She should be that gal who. Yeah, she is. Oh, she passed away in 2020. I was going to say I thought she passed. She's in. Isn't she in Mystic Pizza as well? Yep. Aaron Brockovich, Edward Scissorhands, Two and a Half Men. Yeah. I I think she had the reoccurring role on Two and a Half Men. Yes, she is. She's a that guy. Yeah, and a lot of people knew her from that, but there were a, a ton of other things that I saw her in that I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Mystic Pizza might have been the first thing that I saw her in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, critically, uh, this movie on IMDb had a 6.2 out of 10. And then Rotten Tomatoes, 66% on the tomato meter. So that's the critics. 52% for the audience score. So the audience was really split with this one. Mm-hmm. However, I think this film is a cult classic film. It's kind of is one it? of those. Uh, Dowdy, yeah, I, I believe so. There were different things that I was reading in YouTube uh, clips that I was watching or um, channels that I was watching that kind of uh, explain why. And that, that goes along with Dowdy's uh, Trick or Treat. That movie wasn't received well when it first came out, um, but it kind of took on a cult following. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been trying to make the second one for, you know, 15 years. I don't know when the heck it's going to come out, but it's that is interesting in usually when when things take on a cult status, it it's that they're like there's a camp element, there's a queer element. You know, there's there's something like that that's going to reach out to one of those communities that uh, this doesn't fall into one of those categories. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll discuss it as we once we get to the the meat meat of the podcast. Um, so it is showing on Peacock. That's where I watched it. Um, I think that's pretty much the only thing it's showing Mm -hmm. on, unless you watch it on anything different. Yep, that's the only thing. It's, I mean, unless you have like the Peacock edition to Prime, which is still <laughs> no, just Peacock. <laughs> just Peacock. <laughs> yeah. Um, estimate a budget of only $15 million, um, And then opening only. weekend. I mean, well, yeah, to be <laughs> fair, only. though. But for the big names, well, the, yeah. the bigger names they have in this, you know, that's a pretty, pretty bare bones budget. However, it is only in one location and it was filmed on a, a sound studio. So that makes sense. Right. Uh, December 6, 2015, so it opened up uh, around the holidays, um, made about $16 million opening weekend, and then worldwide it made $61.5 million, so quite successful. Mm-hmm. I think people were itching for a horror movie and itching for a uh, Christmas film, and then the, the amalgamation of both. Well, it's like the people who go see horror movies on Valentine's Day. They're people mm-hmm. who want something a little different. My bloody Valentine five. <laughs> I hated that movie. I have never seen that. I, oh, I usually I don't go to like Valentine's Day themed horror movies. I just go to horror movies. <laughs> I just watch Saw. That's what I would watch. Um, no, I usually do a new one. A new horror a movie? New, yeah, there's always one that comes out in theaters. Last year it was Megan. 
Oh yeah, was out around Valentine's Day this year. There's the Lisa Frankenstein coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. So eh. that's the plan. Like, one Happy Death Day two came out around Valentine's Day. Freaky was a Valentine's Day movie. I liked Happy Death Day. I oh, think that I did. Was, yeah, those were great. I think that was excellent. I think both of them were great. So this movie star. Uh, Fun, fun facts about this film. According to Michael Doherty, this is a Christmas film that is both scary and sentimental. And I quote, A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life are nightmares that show you these broken characters who experience a darker side of divine intervention. They need to be scared straight. Now, reading that, that made a lot more sense for me for this movie because um, I have a question in here in our discussion about the ending, and we will definitely talk about the ending. The gingerbread cookie that is lowered down the chimney is attached to a hook. A meat hook, or ketrokur in Icelandic, is one of Iceland's 13 Yule lads who carries a meat hook which he lowers down chimneys in order to steal meats smoking on the fire for Christmas. He visits on December 23rd, the same night Howie is taken, when he falls for the gingerbread trap. That is fascinating, the Icelandic tradition of the Yule lads. The meat thief? The meat thief. (laughs) That is uh, some that, some yes. hardcore shit right there. There's so. there's some interesting things to be said about a meat thief. That's, that's a lot. Oh my goodness. So Krampus's true face is hidden underneath a Santa Claus-like mask and is never fully revealed to the audience as a choice by the filmmakers to allow viewers to make their own conclusions on his actual appearance. His eyes and mouth are the only visible traces that can be seen through parts of the mask. And I thought that was freaking awesome. I think the design of Krampus was so cool. Oh, yeah, that Santa Claus mask was real creepy. Um, The goal of the film was to tell a modern day morality tale using the Krampus tradition. And it was in part and it was in part a response to today's defanged retellings of classic tales by the likes of Disney and others. And I think that is fun. I get that. (laughs) It is very German. It's very dark. Very. They they have an actual Bavarian woman speaking in 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 German throughout they the film. Sh- sure do. The magical window character. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was fascinating. So, um, okay. Here is a. Spoiler. Were your subtitles really weird, by the way, about when they like would properly pop up or not? Um. No. Oh, I had good. issues. Mine are pretty good. I had issues with them not always popping up and I was like oh did they not subtitle this bit oh <laughs> I've noticed <laughs> okay. that yeah I haven't noticed noticed that with Peacock sometimes my subtitles don't pop up right away and I have to like back out and do it again oh my God. but I yeah. think it's just the movie itself like yeah it's Netflix weird. is the only one that actually has good closed captioning I just hate Netflix I'm, oh like, I personally so boycotting many, them <laughs> so many issues with them I don't pay for them they're yeah. the only ones with closed captioning that is done well though where mm-hmm. someone actually went through and there's a person making those closed captions and making sure that they're timed correctly and that they're in the right spot and they're legible and yeah. that if you have someone who speaks in a foreign language and it's an English language thing that if there are burned in subtitles making that English that they don't put other subtitles over those burned in subtitles which I have seen on they, Amazon they are a saint then thank them Thank, mm-hmm. thank the high heavens. All right. Here is a synopsis. If you don't want to hear it, it's spoiler filled. So skip ahead five minutes. Three days before Christmas, the Ingle family, parents Tom and Sarah, daughter Beth, son Max, and Tom's German-speaking mother, whom the family calls Omi. Uh, prepare for the holidays. Max, despite his family's dysfunctionality, remains a firm believer in Santa Claus and writes him a letter. Sarah's side of the family comes home f- uh, for Christmas including her sister Linda, Linda's husband Howard, their children Howie Jr., Stevie, Jordan, and baby Chrissy, their bulldog Rosie, and Sarah and Linda's cantankerous Aunt Dorothy. Max wants to maintain family traditions, but tensions among his relatives sap their Christmas spirit. When his cousins mockingly read out his letter to Santa, Max lashes out, yelling that he hates both his family and Christmas. His father attempts to comfort him by telling him that even though the holidays are chaotic, he should always love his family and gives him back his letter to Santa. In a fit of anger, Max tears up the letter and tosses it out the window, whereupon it is swept into the sky. Later that night, a severe blizzard engulfs the town, causing a power outage. When Beth ventures out to check on her boyfriend, a large horned creature chases her. She hides beneath a delivery truck, but the creature leaves a jack-in-the-box, which attacks her. When Beth does not return home, Tom and Howard leave to search for her. They find her boyfriend's house in ruins with the chimney split open and large goat-like hoof prints. Outside, Tom narrowly saves Howard from an unseen monster in the snow. They return home, board up the windows, and Howard stands guard while everyone sleeps. As Howard eventually falls asleep, a large hook with a living gingerbread man attached lures Howie Jr. to the chimney. 
When he takes a bite, he is dragged up the chimney despite the family's efforts to save him. Omi explains that the creature hunting them is Krampus, an ancient demon who punishes those who have lost the Christmas spirit. Omi recounts that when she was a child, her parents and community lost their spirit due to the hardships of the war in Europe. Omi also lost hope and wished her parents to be taken away, summoning Krampus. He and his helpers dragged everyone except her to hell, leaving behind a bell-shaped bauble with his name on it. The family remained skeptical until menacing toys hidden in presents delivered earlier overrun the house. Jordan is devoured by the jack-in-the-box dare clown. The family fends off toys and a ginger and gingerbread men until Krampus's dark elves leap in through the window, taking Howard, Dorothy, and Chrissy. Tom decides that the family should flee to an abandoned snowplow on the streets outside. Omi stays behind to distract Krampus, who emerges from the fireplace and attacks her with his bag of toys. Outside, Tom, Sarah, and Linda are dragged under the snow by the snow monster while Stevie is captured by the Dark Elves. Krampus confronts Max and gives him a bobble wrapped in a piece of the discarded letter. Realizing that he was responsible for Krampus's coming, Max, chooses, er, Max chases after the demon and confronts him at the edge of a fiery pit. Max begs for Stevie to be spared and offers himself up as sacrifice. Krampus refuses and tosses Stevie into the pit. Max sincerely apologizes for losing his spirit. Although Krampus seems to accept his apology, he still tosses Max in as well. Max awakens in his bed on Christmas morning and discovers his family alive and well downstairs, concluding what happened was just a nightmare. As he unwraps presents to reveal Krampus's bauble, the family exchange troubled looks as their memories of the horrific, horrific events slowly come back to them. The house is shown through a magical surveillance snow globe, along with hundreds of others in a vast collection in Krampus's underworld lair in the mountains of Central Europe, for him to monitor and spy on, having spared them. Dun, 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 that's Krampus. So, Amanda, this was my first time watching. Was this your first time watching? This was a first time watch for me, too. Oh, cool. Okay, so Krampus, it's... It's interesting. It's a unique blend of horror and comedy, I would say. I guess, how successfully do you think the film balances these two genres? Did it enhance or detract from your overall like enjoyment? See, I, I love horror comedies um, as a genre. I don't, I don't know if it always worked in this one. I think part of the issue is sometimes the script went a little too hard in making these characters so loathsome. Yeah, it, that, it seemed fake, like how, how mm-hmm. shitty that his uh, his relatives were. I'm like, this they isn't like atrocious. a real... Yeah, I was like, this isn't like a real shit family. Like someone would step up and be like, hey, mind your mouth or something like that. You know, they wouldn't... Yeah. Right. It just like, they were so... Yeah, it was weird that that kid still believed in Santa. He was a little too old. He really needed to be in therapy, but like, yeah. bad family. <laughs> That and I like I think it's a little mean that the movie really does pin the pin the blame on him at the end. Like, well, this is your fault for losing faith. Well, faith, look at his family. They're all cunts. These people <laughs> are horrible. Like, yeah. and I was kind of rooting for them to just get picked off, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought that the the aunt was gonna go first. She mm-hmm. she kind of fit that typecast of loudmouth complaining. Yeah. boisterous aunt who's just drinking she doesn't want to be there I figured she was going to be the first to die or whatever happened I was totally thrown for a loop when the the sister got taken I don't know if I completely liked that I don't think I did because she just disappeared it wasn't very yeah, satisfying it, it felt kind of like a waste a little bit but but I do think it was it was funny I don't think I was laughing out loud I no. think that there were moments like when Tom jumps he's like he's got my baby and then uh adam scott's character he's like great it's oh yeah there were definitely moments of dark humor and i could have gone for more (laughs) more commentary humor Mm -hmm. i just don't think there was that much commentary and i think the characters were too much archetypes to be actually interesting characters that Mm -hmm. i was invested in as people so much as like an idea of a person yeah, I do think that there was some underdevelopment there, too, and a lot of pacing issues with the movie. Yes. Um, it seemed like there was a giant lull kind of in the middle yes, where I feel they probably could have focused more on their storylines they were working with. Um, you know, like the 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 husband and wife, they really they needed to, like, blend together more. They needed more time together, and they kind of just abandoned that. They also did a kind of a Chekhov's gun sort of thing with uh-huh. with the actual gun of the shotgun in, in the Hummer. But then also Adam Scott's character saying, uh, you know, I was an Eagle Scout. I learned survival skills. We don't really get to see him put mm-hmm. any of those survival skills to to play. Right. 
like barely, but the whole time me, I'm like, oh, he's going to do some yeah. Home Alone shit, like which would have been awesome. That's what I wanted. I, I kind of wanted that more triumphant, like, no, 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 let's actually spit it. Like mm-hmm. Omi, all of a sudden, who magical window character knows what's going on from the beginning, but waits until like an hour into the movie to say anything. She was also <laughs> so dour. I was like, this lady is so dull, you know? Like, I didn't, I didn't no mind personality. that. But, but I didn't mind that though, because I think she just had that that trauma and she's like, and and I mean, this is just how I interpreted it. She was like, holy shit. I mean, she told him we need to keep the fire hot. And maybe she was praying she was wrong. But once she realized, yep, this is what's going on. She knew what was going on. And she didn't say anything yeah. for a very long time. And and I guess I'm not, that didn't disturb me as much. Because, I mean, I, I liked her. I thought she was a fun character. I, I don't know if I liked how she always spoke in German, but then could understand English. But And I, could I, speak English. Well, but I think I get that because if she's, I mean, she's like Max is fluent in German, it sounds like. Yeah. So it's it's I know that multilingual households, it's it's good to speak that and then you can get both of the languages. Mm-hmm. So at least you're you're understanding it. So I, I guess it, I, I didn't mind that after a while. But um, I yeah. also but here's the thing. And I, I agree to an extent with your assessment there. And I've seen it done in other things where it is about, you know, multicultural families and immigrants. And, you know, they did it in Jane the Virgin and it works really well there. And I, I know people in real life who, you know, their parent comes from another country and will speak to them in whatever that language is and they will respond in English and they both completely understand each other. Here it felt like othering her and not quite as natural because it was only Max and the Mm -hmm. dad who really, like, the daughter didn't speak German. The mother had no idea what she was ever saying and it didn't seem like they tried to, you know, get on the same page when the woman, like, did speak fluent English. So it it really felt like it was just making her this this mystical other kind of thing and not a natural part of a family dynamic that is a very real part of many family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Like, my my stepmother is Russian and her parents will speak to her in Russian and she'll respond in Russian or English. Like, she will have mixed language conversations with her parents and her sister's and that just because that that just is what it is for them here it didn't feel natural yeah i i agree i think they could have uh, either limited it a bit to be all inclusive or just i don't know went the other way and only maybe max is the only one that could understand her and and adam scott's character cuz he i don't know he's their son so yeah it was that was a little odd um i do i do one comparison i had for this though that's specifically for the comedy and horror was gremlins mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. had a very, very um, Gremlins feel to it. And that's that's what I was thinking the entire time, because I did have a, a really good time watching this movie. Like, I actually really enjoyed it um, for moments. The horror aspect was interesting, though, because I feel like it took a while to get to that mm-hmm. horror aspect. However, when we finally saw the creatures, they did an awesome job with those. I thought the creatures that was were cool. Yeah. And, and they were legit like terrifying. That fucking puppet thing. I, I was the, like, oh, my the God. The jack in the box? Yeah, that was the that creepiest thing. with the yeah. mouth. Yeah, that, yeah like that was the my mouth favorite. That, oh, God, that thing was so creepy. And then it's like clapping after the elves come in. I I, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> Same with the teddy bear. The teddy bear was disgusting. But um, yeah, they did a really good job with that. And I think it is so fascinating because a lot of people love Gremlins. But I remember that movie scaring the shit out of me when I was a kid. Dude, it, it's like <laughs> it's creepy when the it's mom. It's not really a kid's movie. Well, see, I know. And that's the thing. It's like. This isn't this isn't a kids movie either, but this is a PG-13. And so and there's not really any blood in it. No. Um, so I'm curious, um, you know, for the Horse Squad podcast, they did this episode and they were talking about this. Uh, would this movie be better or worse if it had more gore? Um, huh. Or or is and I'll just pose this. I mean, I think that this movie is campy and it's supposed to be. And I, don't I think- find it that campy. But I mean, I I think I I did, and and I I think though, if you start to introduce more of the gore, it kind of takes away from the tone, because then it's like now you need to really pick a lane, and yeah. I think I think this blurs well, the lines between the horror and the comedy. I don't know. I, I mean, I think there are ways to do the gore where you do lean into the camp element of of how mm-hmm. you show it. I don't think it needs more gore though. I don't I don't think that's where it falters. I think it's it's in pacing and some of the character yeah. development and yes. and and I don't think it needs to pick a lane horror or comedy. I think you can totally be a like black comedy horror movie. Sure. I just don't think this always feels like that. Sometimes it's it's just like 
an overblown family drama about the worst people you will ever see and think, wow, why did this this family even see each other? Like they really mm-hmm. shouldn't just don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I agree. I think that you're right. The pacing and the character development were probably the two biggest things. There were some really random uh, dialogue or there was some yeah. really random dialogue in this movie that kind of didn't make any sense. And, and I, I was just like, hmm. I, I will also add that I'm not sure I love the message of this movie. Because there's definitely this idea of, well, family, like, they're your family. So you have to see them. You have to have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I I really don't like that messaging because sometimes your family is truly toxic. This family is truly toxic. And there are instances where for people, they cannot see their family anymore because they are this toxic. This is not an accepting family. These are not people you'd want to be queer around. And so I, I just don't like what it's saying that it's like, but they're family. So you have to deal with them no sometimes the the family are the people that you find and you choose to be your family because they're the real they're your real people so so i i don't like when that's a movie's message yeah i'm i'm i also subscribe to the idea that um uh family is only a construct i i believe in in found family Mm -hmm. um but i i don't even think that that was the message of this movie um I think that it was about almost like a be careful what you wish for, because the entire time Max is talking about how he wants to go back to the way things were. And I'm sure at a moment, you know, they all got along. All these family members got along. And I think, you know, we we did we just did a Christmas story and we talked about nostalgia. I think mm-hmm. nostalgia in this case can be a very dangerous thing because it because it is OK to move and separate yourself from toxic people. And I think Adam Scott's character was just being naive and, and wanted to you know, try to keep everything copacetic, but really it's like, just kick them out, man. You yeah. you don't owe them anything. I mean, they're family, but they're if horrible. They're, if they're terrible people and they're just going to completely, uh, you know, drag you down, then you Why don't need do to hang wanna, on to yeah. them. Like, yeah. Don't have them there. Just tell oh, them to go back home. It's, it's exactly. I mean, I was thinking that the entire time too. So, um, let me ask you this though, cause I want to, uh, we just talked about the mm-hmm. the creatures, right? So it, it they feature this film. Krampus features um, various holiday themed creatures. Which one stood out to you the most? Um, I know that you said the Jack in the Box. Yeah. Uh, how did their designs contribute to the overall atmosphere of the film? Well, that one was the creepiest. It also had the most so creepy <laughs> glee. It, it had the most personality of all of them. I wish yeah. there was, you know, more of like I that kind of dark glee that that creature had and it, it set them apart because the elves all looked the same so like mm-hmm. i couldn't you know differentiate them they had some nuance but they still were they were yeah, the same thing similar yeah, yeah. but I, I liked that that glee that he had like there was room for comedy there yeah in playing with these like we could have had some really bonkers kills you know yeah i know and i think that's the part that i was talking about earlier with with how this this movie, it blends the two like they, they probably should have just killed off, like actually killed yes. off people instead of having them kidnapped. I agree. But that's where it kind of got a little murky for me. Mm-hmm. However, I think I ultimately liked that. Um, it's just but like the little gingerbread man who has the candy cane that's that's spiky and poor David Keckner is like, oh, shit. Right. That would have been awesome. Could have been kidnapped in funnier ways. Yeah, probably. You know, uh, think think more Home Alone-esque hijinks. And then instead of the ending that we get, maybe it is more of a triumphant going down to the underworld and freeing everybody and actually fighting with Krampus. And not just being like, okay, I'll be good. Thank you. Doesn't that, I mean, I feel like that kind of just takes away from the tone of the film, though, I don't too. Know. It's more triumphant and more fun to watch than the ending that I but, felt was kind of a cop out. <laughs> but but I, I think that horror films, and I'll, I'll save a little bit because my next question will be about the ending, but I yeah. think horror films, bleak endings are, are kind of uh, one and the same with horror films, and, and they're, they're commonplace. And I would I you mean, call this bleak? I, I, I wouldn't. I think this is, I think this is bleak, but, um, but yeah, sorry, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much because I, I had a couple thoughts on, on the yeah. creatures. Um, so did you have any like toys that you when you were younger that you were just like, I think that is so creepy, like think of like a Furby or something, right? <laughs> like, did you have any that you were just like terrified of? OK, so I for our listeners who do not cannot see us, <laughs> I am a very pale redhead. Um, there are a lot of porcelain dolls that have my coloring. 
My mom and grandma had a habit of collecting them. <laughs> we had no less than 30. Holy or crap. Si- uh-huh. That's uh-huh. really creepy. It's so fucking creepy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yep. 30. Uh-huh. No, there were a lot. Uh, ew. <laughs> so you didn't, so you probably didn't like staying over at grandma's house. No, they were at my house. Oh, they were, they were at your in house. My bedroom. Oh, okay. There you go. That's what I missed. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Mm-hmm. I can't believe you got any sleep. I turned the television on. <laughs> <laughs> that's really scary. So I don't that's like my it. answer to that, right? No, I don't like it either. So I mean, I think that that these creatures prey on that. Like that little angel uh, toy had that really just pronounced face. And I mean, I could see something like that being mm-hmm. in a in a weird department store, right? And hey, it's just... we have the entire Annabelle movie series about uh, a yeah. creepy doll. <laughs> yeah, I had a wall Annabelle, of that. <laughs> uh, Child's Play, Chucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. So yeah, those oh, yeah. possessed dolls. But I, I really did enjoy what they did with these. And and Trick or Treat is the same. Uh, Sam, the the killer in Trick or Treat, mm-hmm. uh, same kind of creature development it's awesome our creature creation it's it's really cool and i think that doherty does an awesome job with that in these two films in particular um and i i think that was probably my favorite aspect of this uh, even the elves i really did like the elves and i like the snowman a lot they all kind of were different you know mm-hmm. but, the snowmen yeah. were creepy those were they creepy were, snowmen they were really creepy yeah they were super creepy i was like huh. i wish some of those those creatures maybe talked and had like like the gingerbread men Great little quippy lines. Have yeah. something to say. That was funny. Yeah, the little robot thing that was starting to stab Adam Scott was was very interesting too. I didn't yeah. know what that was, and I'm like, dude, I he wish... got stabbed like twenty times. Well, I wish that scene wasn't shot so frenetically and so dark. Yeah, it really was. It was all over the place, and I was like, wait, wait, who? I have read that in reviews that it's like it becomes very paint by numbers, and then it just is kind of hard to mm. see, and you're like, well, wait, no, this is what we think is interesting. Why can't I see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was I can, I can agree with that um, a little bit. I was able to see it, but I it was pretty frantic. And I was yeah. like, what? Whoa, whoa, just like slow down for a second. I want to focus on one of these toys. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, let's just jump to the ending then. So I want let's discuss the interpretation of the ending. Did it satisfy you or did it feel uh, like it left too much open for interpretation? I know that you were talking about you didn't think it was very bleak. No, I found it to be a kind of like the it was all a dream style of ending like a cop out of a we're going to do all this, but we're also going to undo it all by just saying like, see, it was just to to teach them a lesson and now they'll go on with their lives like and they know what happened because you know what happens when you have a bad nightmare and then that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it just it feels like they wrote themselves into a hole and didn't want the ending to actually be everyone's dead. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm I inclined to agree with you on initial viewing, but after researching and sitting more on this, I would like to pose this. Mm-hmm. So Michael Doherty actually, he described the film as a darker version of a Christmas family film. And he and this is a quote, Christmas movies exist in their own little snow globe where a clashing family, no matter how sick of each other, always manages to overcome their differences and live happily ever after. But what if the family's issues escalated and then they sort of allow Krampus to seep into their reality. So I think he was very well aware that this family is dysfunctional and they really don't like each other. I mean, they have their issues. And I think that that is on top of on top of what I read in the trivia earlier, too, where he was uh, kind of making fun of Disney, who famously mm-hmm. takes things like the grim fairy tales and they completely drastically change them in order to send a message. This is him being like, well, there's a message, but it's also kind of like, it's not a strong message. I don't really fully believe in this. So I think I, that actually detracts from it more, though, than when you think about well, who's the target audience. This is not a family movie. This is not for kids. So who is it a morality tale for? Teenagers well, and 20-somethings? Well, but I think that's what I mean is it's, it's, it's a, in air quotes, morality film. Like it's, it's almost satirical to a, to a degree. Um, but I mean, it's also, I'm not in his head, so I can't really say. But to a degree, I think it's a little more satirical. And the way I read it was, you know, be careful what you wish for and kind of be thankful for what you have. There's two different ways to kind of subscribe to that ending, in in my opinion. Um, but 
yeah, like I ultimately liked it. I thought it was I thought it was cool. I do agree that there could be things that are different. So you were talking about like a battle in hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would have it would have been I different. Said the underworld. Okay, or it's the under- it's, it's not hell. <laughs> and in 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 a dark place, let's just say that. That would have been interesting. I think what would have been really funny is the actually the entire time I thought Santa Claus was going to come into the movie and like kick Krampus into the pit or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing on the Horse Squad podcast, they were talking about like, what if Santa came in and just started wreaking hell? Like all the reindeer, are, you know, that knocking over fun. the... Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that would have been really good because I think it would have stuck with the tone of the film because it's just like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on? And poor Max is just like, wait, what? <laughs> like that would have been, I think that would have been cool. Um, but I at a, at, a, at a moment, I did know, I was like, okay, this is definitely a dream sequence because the frequency of the main characters dying or getting you know, sucked into the snow or whatever. I'm like, something's going to happen. This is weird. And it it very much had that Christmas Carol. Um, it's a wonderful life vibe where I'm like, mm-hmm. some of these things aren't, aren't how they're supposed to be, but right. And, but then I think that goes to the issue of who, who's it really for? Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't have, I, I'm not I don't have that you, answer. You can't make a horror movie for children. That is frightening. I mean, mm-hmm. The Disney Channel made truly one of the most terrifying children's movies with Don't Look Under the Bed. What? Is that a Goosebumps one? No, it's don't, not. It is don't just, look under the bed. it is a 1990s movie that the Disney Channel made. It's a horror movie that they eventually stopped showing because they got too many letters from parents that it was wow. legitimately terrifying. I rewatched it not too long ago. It is legitimately a frightening movie. Hmm. Larry with, Houdini. It's watch it. It's fascinating. It, it, like that is actually a very interesting movie in in what it is saying about growing up. Um, huh. So you yeah, but yes, the are you afraid of the darks? The goosebumps. Those are for your kids mm-hmm. ranging in all ages from younger to slightly older. Oh, totally. Even like they have the new series of Are You Afraid of the Dark that is an anthology series mm-hmm. now in Nickelodeon. And I have watched all three seasons and they There's are like all kids twilight zone basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So kids outer limits season files season two, I think was maybe geared the youngest, mm-hmm. but also the Disney channel had a show called so weird um, back in the nineties. And the first two, se- this third season don't even bother with, but the first two seasons are like, it was like kids X files. And it was frightening. It was actually frightening. So wow, you can yeah. do things frightening for children. And a, a real original Grimm's fairy tales are terrifying. The Raw Doll books are terrifying. Oh, so absolutely. You know, yeah. it's not that you can't do it. But this this isn't something that a kid, not because it's too frightening, but just because it's too, you're following these adult characters that you are not going to be invested in at all. Right. Well, and they and even even as an adult, they don't really mm-hmm. develop them enough for me to care too much about them. And I think, like again, what you were saying, the character development, I was just kind of like, I mean, insert they're random, there. random yeah. husband and wife A and B, and they're just kind of there. So that that it's, was a weak point. It's also the kind of thing where it does a lot of telling, not showing. Yes, like that oh, was annoying. The parents are having problems. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I don't know anything about these people. I don't know that there were better times. And you've got great actors giving it their all, but they're not being given enough to work yeah. with. Just show show Adam Scott instead of working, watching old videotapes of them like on their honeymoon or when they were younger or reading a, a letter from her when they were younger or then show you know, pictures around yeah. the house. And and meanwhile, you can then show him as an Eagle Scout when he's a kid and right. show like his, his, his medals. And you're like, oh, he's an Eagle Scout, right? Instead of him talking about working, yeah. maybe you see him doing it and then you see her annoyed. Yeah. That was that was something I think was a missed yeah. opportunity as well. Um, I did pull this from the trivia in IMDb, and um, this is very interesting. It says the movie's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. The first one that the Eagles, or, I'm sorry, that the Angels, no, Angles, E N G L E S, Angles, uh, Angles, and their family are trapped in the snow globe, condemned yeah. to repeat Christmas morning for eternity in a twisted version of hell, so purgatory, basically. So I that's could, interesting. I could I subscribe. Like that. To, so do I, because that's very Twilight Zone and one of the best Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, that one where they're donated toys and they're in purgatory, basically. Mm-hmm. 
That one's awesome. And then uh, the second theory is they were given a second chance and the snow globe is Krampus's means of watching over them. Although yeah, that's what I heard. Writer-director Michael Doherty has refused to confirm which theory is true. The tie-in comic book Shadow of St. Nicholas confirms that the happy ending is the true one. The comic has murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist, showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance as long as they prove they've learned their lesson. But not Unlo- Omi's family when her entire well, country was ravaged so, by... Yeah, unlike his grandmother mother max was brave enough to confront krampus and prove he'd learn his lesson which was why max had his family returned and the grandmother didn't doherty says the letter is a cynical albeit still possible interpretation also so, question yeah. what war was grandma going through <laughs> i know i'm i was trying to think a little bit wrong side of history here yeah <gasps> She just wanted some bread, yo. I mean, yeah. she's from she's from Austria, but still, they don't say I know. that. They never confirm that, and well, she speaks German. And I know, also, but Kr- Austria was kind of Krampus is an Austrian is an Austrian folklore. Um, yes, but but, I, but you're Austria right. Yeah, she was, speaks was German with and, the yeah. the German side. <laughs> yes, Wait, any anybody who understands history would uh-huh. be like, uh, that's a little weird. So yeah, <laughs> I liked the animated sequence. I truly mm-hmm. did. Maybe that was they, good. Maybe they, did a really they could good have job set this in a different time period. So she could have had some old Bavarian war instead. <laughs> the war of the breads and the beers. Exactly. <laughs> so are there any specific shots or scenes from the movie that were particularly effective in building the tension or conveying the film's tone for you? Not really. I, I liked the opening sequence that felt very black commentary, and I wish we'd had more of that. Mm-hmm. But then it was just so much telling and not showing. I really liked the score. I think that uh, the sound was was great. Um, just the little, you know, the chains rattling, uh, the, the little giggling here and there, the other sounds that the toys and the yes. creatures were making. The, the ambiguity, sound was fun. Yeah, the ambiguity in it all was really neat for me. Um, I thought that that was effective, uh, especially the hoofbeats, uh, because, you know, Beth, right before she's about to get captured, she has no freaking clue what this thing is. It's jumping across roof to roof, and you're like, what is this? So I, I think that was good. Of course, the reveal of Krampus was excellent, in my opinion. Um, everything I wanted in creature design, and it it really paid off. So I think that scene was highly effective. But... I do think the lighting was a bit too dark, though. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder if that's just because of CGI. Yeah, um, we this... could have, I, I could have done with more contrast in the... Right. Yeah. Um... I mean, yeah, I think that was good. I don't think that there were any. I didn't think of any specific shots that really no. jumped out of the page at me, though, that I was kind of blown away or. No, yeah. Whatever. Sometimes there are movies where I am looking at it and I'm like, fuck, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Like I I could stare at that shot and you're right. There's nothing that I did like the sounds of the things scratching in the walls. Oh, it mm-hmm. squirrels. That was fun hearing those sounds. But yeah, there was no shot that I was like, that is a cool shot. Exactly. The scene, I think the, the scenes, and we've already talked about it, that stick out for me the most are the attic scene where they fight the mm-hmm. toys. Um, that scene is just is just great. Uh, and again, where Krampus shows up and you get to see his gross long hand like kind of touch the, mm-hmm. the the grandma's face. It's just that was that was that was a lot. I was like, holy shit! So I thought that that was really well done, and I think that that helped with the the scary tension for me because there were moments when I was just like, ooh, this is kind of creepy. Um, but otherwise, I was a little underwhelmed at yeah. for, for you know generally for throughout the film. So we did talk about pacing. Uh, mm-hmm. However, this movie the runtime is only an hour and thirty eight minutes. I mean, I think it still could have been cut down a little bit. Yep. Uh, I guess. How do you feel about this? Was it too short, too long, or just enough? I you know I think maybe with a different script the runtime would have worked, but I, I think it had, a, had some tonal issues that maybe had we shaved 15, 20 minutes off and kept it more like a. 80 minute movie. Yeah. It the pacing would have felt a little more natural. Yeah. It's it's hard with these these one location films, but at the same time it's not because they could have done a lot more mm-hmm. instead of the lull after they go to get Beth and they come back and it just, you know, nothing really happens. Um, they could have told the story sooner, like you were saying mm-hmm. with with Omi. She yeah, could have we really been like, could have gotten to that sooner. Yeah, because then, let them deny it and they'd be like, fuck, we can't deny this shit. Yeah, because then we could We're getting attacked by gingerbread men. Because we as the audience would have learned about Krampus and been like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah. so this is that's probably what was jumping on the roof. And then we right. could also we build Right, we only know fear. it's Krampus because the title of the movie is Krampus. 
And she's the only one that says mm-hmm. Krampus, actually. Uh, but yeah, just let it build up. So I think I think that that definitely um, could have changed the film drastically. But and I, add a little more depth to these characters. Make them yes. less one note. Make make the family conflict not just oh the the liberals and the Republicans. Like yeah, <laughs> can can there be other things that are putting a wedge between these people? Like things that are not so on the nose. Yeah, and they try to say that about like, oh, they're always getting all these presents and blah, 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 blah. But then he has this like huge ass Hummer and this yeah. like, nice gun. I'm like, wait, they're not really poor though. And they have yeah, a ton like, of kids. That costs so much money, all of that stuff. He's yeah. Like, and he, yeah, it's his tricked out Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> Lucinda. That, that was not cheap. That just means you're just not buying the shit for your kids. Yeah. It, and it's I, not like, I think, yeah, it's not like they lived in a mansion. They lived in no. a standard house. Yeah, I think that that was a missed opportunity for sure. They could have at least, um, like David Koechner's character and Adam Scott's character, they didn't like each other, but then, you know, the bonding incident was them going Mm -hmm. out there and Adam Scott saving David Koechner. I mean, that takes a lot, and they could have played that out a little harder where Mm -hmm. he's like, I've just been an ass to you for all these years because of this reason, or, you know, because I'm upset with myself or something. And I think they could have... Right, his reasoning was like, I thought you were a pussy. It's like, okay, can we have done something that isn't so boring as a like conflicts happen for many reasons give them a conflict that isn't so well trod yeah (laughs) and done better elsewhere it's also there was nothing under the surface sometimes you know people people say things but there's something else that it really means there was no instance of this here what they said is what they meant is is what the movie didn't feel like showing me mm-hmm. like zero subtext mm-hmm. and i think tony collette though i think she she was great yes. um i think she's marvelous in pretty much everything she does but uh yeah it, well actually no buts this this role she did for this i mean i i believed her stress and anxiety in it and i mean you could sense it too like oh, that yeah. scene when she's talking with her sister about oh you kept the angel and mom would have wanted it and i get that like i i totally do she i think she did a good job with yep. what she had oh agreed um, you she was you know she was heavy you know pitch hitting and, and it, but the material just wasn't there yeah so she was <laughs> she was giving us a character but she was not given enough I know it's it, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, ninety minute films though, I absolutely love, and I think Same. that um, an, an hour and a half is a perfect time for a, is perfect runtime for a, a movie that isn't super serious because it's it's pretty low low stakes, you know, low risk, pretty moderate mm-hmm. reward. Um, because if it's bad, then who cares? It was only an hour and thirty minutes. If it's great, then oh my god, that was awesome, and it's only an hour and thirty minutes. So I, I do I do love ninety minute movies. I think I. Love shorter features. I don't think everything needs to be two hours long. No. Bring back the uh, – have you ever seen the Black Cat from the 1930s? It's 64 minutes. It is tense. It is great. And it's no. 64 minutes. <laughs> I have not. I am such a fan. There are so many really great old movies that range in runtime from like mid-60s to 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. Bring those back. I know. They they really do. I think yeah. if, if you can't – I think that should be a practice. And this is, again, from somebody who can't write a, a screenplay to save my life. But uh, if you can get a, a good story out of 60 minutes, I think then you should try that. Like, that should be your, your mm-hmm. aim. And then you can add things on. But, like, try to keep it to that one hour, Look, 30 minutes. my mark. feature is only 72 minutes. It's two people in one location. Mm. We could have dragged it out. But then, you know what? Why? Then we're just dragging it out for the sake of dragging it out. Like... That doesn't work. It it keeps its tension by being short. Mm-hmm. And it keeps the audience um, engaged and mm-hmm. remembering the task at hand, like what's going on, the plot. And I think that this can get a little too subplotty when you have uh, these this infighting and yeah. But then it there's felt like there was some like padding in that middle where we were both yeah. like, where is it? What's going on right now? And it and it just seemed there were a lot of interesting choices. Like, I, I mean, I knew David Koechner was going to fall asleep right away when he's like, I'll take first watch. I don't know if that was supposed to play for laughs because it didn't really it didn't <laughs> cut immediately to him sleeping. It was just everybody was there. And yeah. And then it shows him sleeping. And I just I was like, well, I mean, I was anticipated the fire going out was cool. But then it's like, wait, you're going to tell me no one's going to wake up in this room of people like I get it's it. freezing. Yeah, it's freezing. Also, and- grandma was not going to fall asleep. You're telling me yeah. that that lady who 
knows what's going on yeah. is actually in any way going to fall asleep. No, she's sitting there staring at that fire. Yeah, keeping logs on it yeah. and everything. It's just it, that that part was a little odd, but I get you need something to get the story going a little mm-hmm. further too with the little uh, discount Thurman Merman kid. But right, um, and there definitely could have been another reason that the fire goes out other than yeah. oh no, we all fell asleep. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, I, I didn't really know much about Krampus, honestly, other than have you been impish or admirable from uh, The Office when Dwight dresses up <laughs> and uh, Belschnickel. It was um, that's about pretty much all I knew about Krampus. He's essentially the shadow of Santa Claus. I think that was really neat, you know, to basically uh, catch the children who are being naughty and teach mm-hmm. them a lesson. And in the old I'm just paraphrasing on on the folk tale, but, you know, he would he would whip them with um, a piece of a piece of birch tree and like a stick basically, but that would um, keep them in line or it's their punishment, but it's not meant to like, it was never meant to kill, but I think that that's, what's so cool about, about movies like this is you can take a mythological creature or a folk tale and you can spin it and add a horror element. So like, do you enjoy that, that when that happens? And then I guess, absolutely. Do you have any examples of of Mm -hmm. films that you love about like mythological creatures or folktale turned horror? What is the the lure? It's a Polish mermaid movie. It's a horror, a musical horror film. The lure. Uh Uh-huh. That I'm actually, the script I'm working on right now is, is taking a a mythological creature and, and spinning a horror movie around it. Neurotic body horror. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love that as an idea. And I like this idea of Krampus. I think there's another way maybe to do it. Um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of taking things that, especially the things that we've grown up with and the things that were romanticized in things that we grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, the Beauty and the Beast ideas, the mermaids, the fairies, the things like that. I love taking those childhood things and and turning them into more romantic horrors oh yeah and to really like underpin the the elements of obsession and whatnot like the shape of water does that too Mm -hmm. i i really liked the shape of water i don't think it deserved best picture but i really enjoyed it i agree with you (laughs) because it was it was a a beautiful love story um and i think i mean it's been done before but it was done really well and just doug jones is fantastic uh so the, his performance as the creature was just great. So I, I loved it. I thought it was it was a good movie. I don't think it deserved Best Picture, but I still really loved it. But yeah, no, The Lure would be my my go-to if I'm really talking the about lure. taking that. Yeah, oh, Mermaid Horror is fantastic. That one is... I um, You've seen uh, um, Cabin in the Woods, right? Of course. <laughs> so when the, he's like... He always bets on the mermaid, and then that's how he gets killed. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> like, what a reveal, because you knew it was coming, and then you still see it, and you're like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. <laughs> like, so gross. I don't know if you remember that or not. I know I do, and I it made me think I was watching another horror movie, and I was trying to remember what the other horror movie was, but where the characters kept falling into those tropes that they made fun of in mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods, but the movie wasn't making fun of them. It just, like, was not well written, and... and there was like one girl who was so dumb and she kept doing, you know, what the blonde girl did, like touch everything, even though bad things keep happening. And it's like, have, have, why have you, <laughs> what's missing? Yeah. And obviously in Captain in the Woods, they explain it, why she has turned into this person. But in the other movie, it was just like, I guess we just need to move the plot along. So she's going to touch everything, even though that makes no sense. I wonder what move that is, because it sounds vaguely familiar. Like I it saw something like Annabelle Captain comes home. Oh, yeah pass i kind of gave up on the annabelle movies even though i i did like the first one but i didn't like the first one i liked the second one the most of the annabelle movies Mm -hmm. but i think the annabelle movies are the weakest films of the conjuring universe Ooh, i think la lorena that's not technically in the conjuring universe oh boy (laughs) have you seen antlers um i haven't no okay so that's about the wendigo or Wendigo? A Wendigo. Wendigo. The Native Wendigos American. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Native American monsters. Mm-hmm. Also in The Ritual, I think that's kind of the same thing. The Wendigo. Like, um, I, I would oh, I would argue you maybe, maybe. Is in The Wendigo? In, th- in The Ritual? That's what I think it is. But I mean. I, I don't think it is because I think it's more uh, 
Eastern European could um, be. It very, folklore. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. I don't know enough about folklore to really. Yeah. But I, I liked but, the ritual a lot. Yeah, this is a dark movie. Yeah, it is dark. Um, but that's that's the vibe I got. But in Antlers, not a great movie, but mm-hmm. the creature design is freaking incredible. Okay, it is I like good so, creature design. So good, and the reveal is awesome. I think it's yeah. it's great. I like um, um yeah. who was that in in the ritual? Rafe Spall, Timothy Spall's son. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I think he's. I really like him. Yeah, really cute. handsome too. Yeah, no, he was really good. In, you know. I don't generally think of his dad as someone I'm like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> but him, like, yeah, no, I get it. He, I really liked him in that. I, I, I've seen in a bunch of things, and I was like, oh, he's really good. I like him in this. Mm-hmm. Um, anything done by, by Guillermo del Toro is usually mm-hmm. uh, pretty amazing, too. So like, I think of Pan's Labyrinth, who his creature design is, yep. is absolutely incredible. I haven't seen Pinocchio, but I have Even heard it's, it's excellent. Um, I just think that he does such a great job, and Pan's Labyrinth is is the the ultimate high mark for him on just how terrifying and how beautiful it can it can look. That's, that's the thing; it can be both terrifying and beautiful, and I love. And that's what exactly. I. This obviously isn't pulling from children's fairy tale creatures, but this is what I like about Hellraiser is that it's so like so stylized mm-hmm. and so creepy. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the first two. I don't know. Are you a Hellraiser universe fan? So not really, <laughs> but um, I so I definitely have seen the first and then the remake, uh, okay. the one that came out in 2022, which actually really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it, but I was there were moments when I'm like, oh, OK. It, I mean, at least it was streaming and it was free. So I was like, you know, low risk, medium reward sort of but thing. But you're not I, one of those people who really likes the first one. I so well. I don't want to say I don't like it. I can appreciate it. Um, I am a sucker for practical effects and costume mm-hmm. design, and they did such a good job yeah. with that. So I think that that was was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I really liked. Oh no, it. it's a it's a pretty divisive one. I I I know that a lot of people who I talk to, I'm like, yeah, I'm really into it. Are not mm-hmm. into it. <laughs> I really like it. I I think it's like. It's so gory and it's so kinky and I love that it's towing that line. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. So the I was trying to I read something recently um, about gosh, I'm trying to find the final line that the guy says right before his skin's about to get ripped all the way off. Um, <laughs> and he says Jesus wept. And apparently Jesus wept is kind of like a it's colloquial in, in, in a certain sense. And it, it's a phrase um, that some people say that means like, this is, this is the tits. This is the best. And I, I don't know exactly oh. where it comes from, but um, gosh, I'm oh, sure the article with that's me. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus wept is, is one of those ones that, yeah, I don't have it anyhow. Uh, so by him saying that, that that's more kind of like, I like this. Right. And yeah. because throughout the film and correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, he, He likes that he's searching for pleasure and and this is the ultimate Mm -hmm. like pleasure. And and, I mean, even the Cenobites are probably like, dude, this guy's fucked up. Yeah. He's kinky. The whole world is kinky. Like, because why would he say that right before he's about to get his skin tore apart? And I think that was so fascinating about that movie, about learning about it. And I think they do a really, really good job. Clive Barker is just awesome, Mm -hmm. too, with storytelling. But like, yeah, the oh, the creature creation is. Well, I also think it's really, really interesting. So the book that it's based on is called The Hellbound Heart. Mm-hmm. And Clive Barker is, is a gay man who made this in the 80s. Height of the AIDS epidemic. You know, mm-hmm. when you kind of look at it through that queer lens, it that combination of blood and kink and desire and also horror and pain and death yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see it. Okay, Krampus. Krampus, that's, right? That's all, we, that's all we got. Um, do you have any hot takes on Krampus? Your most controversial take on this movie, on movies of the genre, on anything? Blah 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 blah. See, I feel like the reviews on this one were so down the line that there's nothing that hot take for me to say other than it just like it was. You know, it was it was there. It could have been more, and it just wasn't. Hmm. Interesting. But I like horror comedies. Well, and so do I. I absolutely yeah. like horror comedies. 
for me, I think that this movie is going to have to be an annual watch for me. Huh. And I know that throughout this hour that we've been talking, it may not have seen, it may not seem like that because there are some glaring issues. However, I really feel that this movie is right up my alley and it's one that I will appreciate with repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump out right away and watch it, but I definitely think I need to continue to make it part of my tradition for Christmas watching, just like a jingle all the way, just like it's a wonderful life, except both evoke different emotions. So I totally get that. I have movies that I don't think they're perfect or even great, but I, for whatever reason, will come back to them mm-hmm. every once in a while just because they, and usually for me, it's not holiday movies, but it's something, it's like comfort food movies. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, this, this movie just seemed, it was fun for me and it probably will be a comfort movie mm-hmm. for me in a certain sense where I can leave it on. Again, it's only an hour and 38 minutes. I can leave it on and if I need to go to the bathroom or I need to cook something, then I can do that while it's it's playing, right? Right, yeah. Um, I return to yeah. like, I return to hard candy when I need that catharsis. <laughs> I know, weird. I'm aware. Uh, <laughs> Natural I, I, born killers. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love rewatching My Beautiful Laundrette. There's a French movie called Love Songs that just mm-hmm. is is it means a lot to me it's comfort food yeah and and that's like i think there's it's it's cool that we can have those types of things and i think during the holidays i long for those comfort movies Mm -hmm. so i can put something on while i'm working or you know whatever in the background my friend david dasaw from the geek garage podcast um they just did their holiday movie episode and he was telling his co-host frack about how every like 23rd and 24th of december he plays all the parks and rec and all the office christmas specials mm. um or episodes because they are available on peacock in a nice tight bundle that they they do now um and i think that's great i think that's like a, a fun tradition because he's seen them over probably like 30 times and same with me but it's still nice to have that in the background. And I think this mm-hmm. might Krampus might need to be on my, or it, it is going to be on my rewatch, um, my annual list, which is crazy because it's been out since 2015. And I'm, I really feel like it was like five years ago, like you were saying. I know. It's yeah. So eight, odd. Almost nine. Yeah. It's so odd. <sighs> I, I, I am just like, what? It, it, I mean, whatever. I have no concept of time anymore, I guess. I don't either. <laughs> I do not either. You know, the 90s were 10 years ago, but also 30. (laughs) (laughs) That is bananas. Oh, you mean the the late 2020 is now, but also it was several years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And that or like, you know, the pandemic, I feel like, oh, it's coming up on four years now. And you're like, holy shit, you're right. I on Twitter, I saw um, some guy who's a professor tweet out an email he got from a student of his who was asking about how old first um like primary sources could be because he found a great article from the late 1990s and wanted to know if that was <laughs> too old to use. And of course, the teacher who was alive in the 1990s, because if they are an adult professor now, they were a person in the 90s. Um, oh, man. was like, dear God, I feel old. The late 1990s, which me thinking about when I was in college, that would have been using a source from, I guess, the 70s or 80s. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Where we, you know, I, I played like Trio of Pursuit at my grandma's house and she had like a <laughs> 1970s or 1980s version of it. And it was mm-hmm. like, who was the flapper in the 1932 film Johnny's Wish or something? And my grandma's like, it was P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way or whatever. And I'm like, I have no <laughs> fucking clue who that is. Um, I don't know why I just quoted Little Nemo, but, or that Finding really, Nemo. That was a really great, I loved the crossover of those two. That was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, like, I just, I, to me, that was old. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we're the oldies now and people, you know, it's like, what was a video rental store? And people are like, oh, I've heard of these ancient artifacts. And we're just like, I mean, didn't we have a moment talking about Blockbuster like two weeks ago? (laughs) Just like the other day, I think. Oh yeah. When, for the Jingle Jingle. All the Way August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I miss Blockbuster. But it's crazy stuff. And uh, I mean, physical media needs to stay. Uh, VHS, mm-hmm. I'm glad it's dead, but physical media needs to stay. So yes. that's, uh, that's all I'll say about but that. But also, I don't need films to be so HD. I am a sucker for 4K, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on certain films. It's I love not, film grain. Film grain is great. I agree with that. I think we're hitting this point where it's getting so HD that like – it looks like reality television and it's so shiny and you can see every mm-hmm. core 
And so then you they have to cake on more makeup and you see the makeup. Let it be pretty again. Let it look like film. <laughs> I think there are still certain directors who like doing oh, that, who like totally. shooting film too. They're Rob Eggers, Damien Chazelle, and like you see that it's... And it, there are directors who know how to Nolan. use digital and still make it have that film quality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then we also get things that are just, you know... Atrocious. Super, it just, it <laughs> garish. Garish is the word I will use. Garish. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your letter grade for Krampus? C minus. Okay, that's respectable. Yeah, that's a little bit higher. I think it's just fine. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit higher than what the audience ranked it. Yeah, I think it's it's not it's not terrible. It's not amazing. It's not like it just is. You know. Yeah. C plus for me. Um, Same grade as Christmas Story. Spoiler. Mm If anybody who didn't listen to that yet, but anyhow, uh, yeah, C plus. I think that this will grow with me, but um, I I think initially right now because of everything we just talked about, it's got to mm-hmm. be a C plus for me. Uh, but yeah, I'll continue to watch it. So it averaged a C. I'd say yeah, average a C, which isn't which isn't that bad. It's no, not it's terrible. fine. That's yeah. totally fine, and that's that's okay. You know, look, even as a filmmaker, I don't think a movie needs to to be in a hundred. Sometimes that's just like, well, you just made a thing that. No one's bothered by. Like, I think it's okay if your movie can be divisive, if it makes people think, if it makes people talk. I don't think that this one's necessarily divisive. I just I just think it's a little middling. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, what are you working on? Where can we find you on social media? What's the holidays? What am I wearing? I just, just, you know, writing. Lots of writing. Lots of um, writing. Deliverables. Yeah. <laughs> Still on social at Amanda Jane Stern. On, that's all the socials. Perfect. You can find me at ZachDale60, Z-A-C-H, Dale60, on all the socials as well. All the main ones. Just uh, Google search me. But yeah, Amanda, happy holidays. Uh, Be safe out there. A lot of crazies around the holidays. That's true. Um, Bundle up if it's cold out because it's freezing over here. So yeah. It's starting to get chilly over here. It's not not too bad yet. It's still kind of in the 40s. Oh, it's brisk over here. Yeah, it's, no, it's, uh, it's like in the 40s. High 30s, mid 40s. Today was about 50, but we Ooh. it's it, it's been dipping down here and there at night. It sucks. Yeah, it so, gets it gets colder at night, of course. Like I got to go walk Ron after this and I'm going to have to bundle up with a heavy parka. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, great episode. Uh, love talking Christmas with you. Mm-hmm. And um, when we come back, we'll have some New Year's stuff too. Yeah. Oh my God. Are we gonna? There really aren't New Year's themed movies in the same way. There's <laughs> just literally the movie called New Year's Eve or whatever. Oh my that, God. That, that do, Gary do we... Marshall film. No, I don't want to do that. Do, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> yeah, we could do a month where we just do the the holiday called like titled movies: New Year's Eve, Valentine's <laughs> Day. Independence Day. I love Independence um, Day. Boxing Day. I don't think that's a movie. No, they should make one about boxing and then no. about presents. <laughs> <laughs> I think All there's right. a President's, there's a weird movie with Kate Winslet that's I named mean, after a random holiday, but pre- it's not about the holiday. President's Day, you could just do any, like, all the president's men where it's just a complete Watergate movie. and Or you could do whatever, right? So yeah. that'd be awesome. Maybe we should come up with a theme for January. We will. Maybe we will. I'll think of something. Planuary. Heist films. Planuary. Ooh, I like that. I like heist films. It was was working around in my head the other day. (laughs) I like heist films. Let's do that. Heists are great. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter and threads at dbcrazypod, where you can share your thoughts. Oh, and Instagram. We have Instagram, dbcrazypod. I should add that in here. Give us film suggestions. Tell us if we're crazy or just send funny memes. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review if you like us. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening. Until next time, don't be crazy.